0: This is the PR Pod, the podcast that brings you expert tips for working in PR and finding your niche. With your host, Brooke Burns. Welcome to the show, Alira Carroll. Hi,
1: thanks for having me.
0: Alira joins me from her lifestyle PR agency, Tonic PR. Today, we're chatting about influencers and discussing what elements you need to consider to determine if influencer engagement should be part of your PR strategy. I do have another podcast episode dedicated to how to choose an influencer. But for today, we're just going to give you some guidance on how to evaluate whether influencer engagement could be an appropriate element of your campaign. So influencers are a relatively new component to the world in general, let alone PR strategies. I mean, they really weren't around 10 years ago. Mm. And if they were, it certainly wasn't in the context that they are now. Mm. How would you define an influencer and how can they be used by PRs? But an influencer
1: really is anyone that has influence in their network. And it could be super small. They could have 2,000 followers, but their followers are highly engaged and they have a particular niche or it could be bigger than that. Um, It really is anyone that has influence.
0: And in terms of a PR strategy, a PR strategy in general should have clear outlines of your goals and your target audience. And it may be that your product or brand has an offering that aligns with a certain segment. So using an influencer... Can be of value if your target audience engage with Instagram or Facebook. If your target audience is plus fifty, Instagram is probably out as a mm. channel for you. So you wouldn't be looking at influencers. Facebook TikTok. certainly <laughs> is picking up. TikTok's out. Snapchat's <laughs> out. So it really does come down to who you're talking to, who you're talking sure. to, and how they how they might engage. Mm. And the reality is, are there influencers that exist that are relevant to use within that little mm. niche? And that's
1: the thing when you're creating a strategy, a PR strategy, you're looking at, you know, influencer marketing is a tactic. Yeah. Media relations is a tactic. Mm-hmm. Uh, social media is a tactic. So you do have to, you before you get to your tactics, you've got to know, you know, what your audience is and what their behaviors are. And then you decide from there for sure.
0: When a collaboration with an influencer works well, what value can they add to a brand or product?
1: Well, I think we all know how much time we spend on social media these days. It's kind of... It would be silly to dismiss that seeing things on social do influence us to buy or use or talk about a a product. Uh, So it can absolutely build a form of credibility, awareness, um, content, like all of those things for a product or a service. And sales. I mean, if you're utilizing a
0: influencer to um, promote a brand new product and there's a, a particular code that is relevant to the influencer, you can track sales. Absolutely. so I mean, they can drive money in for that for Absolutely. that brand or for that product.
1: And it can be used, like I know um, Booper, for example, I've heard a, a talk from their um, head of influencer marketing. Big, they have a whole program, a whole department dedicated Which, to this. Which,
0: you know... Like you had kind of touched on before, you kind of think of influencers being these celebrities, mm. but
1: it's not no. it's not necessarily about that. Absolutely. And they their whole thing is they want to be seen, Bupa Healthcare and Insurance, they want to be seen as a lifestyle sort of brand. It's not boring um, insurance, insurance all the time. Mm-hmm. So they're talking to influencers in Mums Group, in Millennials, like all the kinds of demographics that would use private health insurance to kind of get stories out there through that channel mm. um you know media relations is sometimes to get a story about booper paper would be kind of difficult on yeah. a lifestyle angle quite dry so, yeah. exactly so social is an outlet for them to talk directly to their customers in the language that they want
0: and especially if you've got a i guess on the flip side something like booper if you've got a very niche audience let's say you have a camping product and mm. it's a product that is really geared towards kids that go camping mm. The average person is not going to read camping publications. Sure, camping publications would be an element of it. The opportunities to reach young families that go camping mm. are kind of limited. limited. Absolutely. But if you can find a young family that often do trips around Australia or, or mm. are doing a year trip around Australia – Sure, again, they may have, like you said, just a couple of thousand followers, but people may be really engaged with Mm. them and they're the perfect little brand Mm. ambassadors or advocates for that. So that's a great way of reaching that market without spending a lot of money. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, definitely. And they're, you know, by engaging influencers, they're using your product or visiting your venue or, you know, using your service. And in the ideal world, it's an authentic kind of, um use of it and so their followers who trust them because they've been following them for a long time and they love their content are already on board it's an like it's an easy way for them to believe it rather than a brand sending them a brochure or you know and seeing an ad in a newspaper it's a very different kind of connection and
0: really as a pr it is up to you to establish whether that influencer is authentic Mm. enough sure you can approach many different influences and I'm sure they will happily take your money or your free products Mm. or whatever it is you're trying to give them but is that going to add value to your brand Mm.
1: is it going to connect to your audience
0: yeah and is your brand going to now be seen as as a brand that engages with lots of influences that really Mm. are not relevant and that's going to have impacts the broader brand of, um, integrity.
1: Absolutely. And I think, you know, the influencer space, it's so fascinating in how fast it's moved, right. And is, is still moving. People who, um, even six months ago were seen as really authentic, you know, you, you felt like you got to know them because they're posting about their kids or their friends or their family and what they did on the weekends. And all of a sudden you start seeing every post. I use this moisturizer because of blah, blah. I use this car wash, Mm -hmm. um, detergent I use this vacuum cleaner and you're like what it's just it's so jarring and it doesn't connect so I think you really have to be very careful about who you're using and also if they've done a post about a competitor product you absolutely know, before you I think audiences are getting we're getting a lot more clued up to this there's there's so much out there we're a bit more picky about who we're following and who we believe. And that ties in well to the
0: next question, which is what elements should you consider when deciding whether an influencer engagement is right for your campaign? Because the reality is maybe it's not right. Mm. Maybe it it could be right, but the right influencer doesn't actually exist out there. Mm. You may have a, a product and the target audience of that product is particularly niche, and there is not any advocates, influencers out there that hit the demographic and have the engagement mm. that you require.
1: I also think, you know, I've had brands in the past that wanted to dip their toes into influencers. Can we do one post with one influencer? <laughs> I mean, yeah. there's really no point. No. The, the, you know, I, th- I can't remember the figure now, but however many posts there are on Instagram a day, it's yep. in the billions, right? Yeah. One po- one post is getting lost so quickly. You really, I think, with the influencers, to make any real impact, you need volume. Yeah, and you need touchpoints. Like we're putting a campaign together at the moment um, where we want to reach health and wellness mums, uh, millennials, um, nutritionists, um, fashion people, like literally everything. And we're going. We're spending two months, and we've got probably a hundred influencers that we're then engaging with across all sort of mediums, you're going to reach your target audience. That's what we've identified. Some will follow fashion, some will follow health and wellness. Mm-hmm. If they're seeing it both, it, it talks to the different points of this product, but it's like, oh, okay, right, I'm seeing it quite a bit. This must be a thing. I, I must I must find out more about it. Yeah. If you see one post and never see it again, it's sort of,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: you're onto the next thing.
0: And that's probably one of the most important things to think about is your target audience. Are your target audience going to be engaging with that particular platform? Mm. Um ROI, what is the return on investment and how can you track that? It's all good and well, the influence and engagement might be part of your campaign, Mm. but how will you be able to let your client know whether that campaign was successful. How do you judge ROI?
1: So we just completed a campaign where the client really wanted to hit a milestone number of followers on their account. So the whole point was getting new followers from this influencer engagement, which it did. And you could actually see and then ideally do a long-term collaboration with the people that perform the best. And you can see how many followers that you got from each post. So they've identified three out of the 20 that they're going to do long-term things with. Other ways is um, ideally if you're, if you're driving people to a website, creating like a unique URL, mm-hmm. um, which they can use. A lot of them have got IGTV channels or, you know, you can just use in bio. And because it's a unique URL, you can track exactly how many people have been sent there. We have done things where mention this code. Um, if it's in a venue, that's really difficult. But if they have to enter it into a purchasing thing, yeah. easy. If you have some sort of an e-commerce platform it's the easiest way yeah it's very easy to track Uh, that way and other ways i mean you can obviously track like reach um how engaged but you know they're very much vanity metrics because i can like a post but live in another country and i'm never going to purchase that Mm -hmm. product it doesn't really mean anything you you do need to sort of track action and i think the influencer market is getting more sophisticated with that there's more ways of doing it um but you have to sort of dig around to see what's possible
0: and you also have to understand what you can provide the influencer. Are you providing them with Mm. a Contra experience or a Contra product? Do you have a budget so you can pay for them? Because that really will skew the kind of influence. Are you using micro-influencers or macro-influencers that are more than happy to take Contra product or a Contra experience? And so let's say you may have no budget, but you have heaps of products, so Mm. you can go out to as many influencers as you want, but you might have five thousand dollars or ten thousand dollars and then you've got to work out well do I approach five influencers mm. do I approach one influencer the most perfect influencer and get them to do three mm. posts so understanding your tiers. budget. Yeah yeah there's,
1: there's tiers and also knowing from the tiers like um interestingly you'll get someone like a Kylie Jenner because I looked up these stats the other day she has something like two point seven percent engagement rate rate. Right? Mm. She's got millions of followers um, then you'll go to a micro-influencer who might have 20,000 followers but have like a 7 or 8% engagement. Yeah. So you do have to think, you know, what are you trying to do, especially if you're looking at an international or a big national mm-hmm. influencer and your product is very hyper-local. It, it, there's no point. What's the cut-through going to be? Yeah.
0: Yeah, engagement is far more important than followers in Mm. in my books sure it's helpful to know that it could potentially reach 2,000 people or 20,000 people but like you said it comes down to that percentage and if they have yeah, I mean, if they have 50,000 or 500,000 followers and they've only got 0.5% of mm, engagement. Useless. Useless. Yep. It's, it really is a waste of your time and yep. your energy. Yeah.
1: And you can check. There's actually a really good free tool called Flanks.com. It's Yeah, P-H-L-A-N-X.com. Yeah, I use that too. Yeah, and you can go on and just type in their handle and it will tell you what their engagement rate is. Are there certain sectors that you
0: think influencer engagement is a better option for?
1: Um, I mean, I see a lot of beauty um a lot of beauty and travel mm-hmm. is a big one because i think people like to look okay, at the end of the day media is shrinking right media outlets are shrinking and media opportunities are shrinking so people want to kind of experience what this thing what the, whatever the product or service or destination is um we because of COVID there's been a lot of online delivery and a lot of e-commerce stuff. So we were working with an online farmer's market and that worked really well. So we had, um, nutritionists, parents, young professionals, all sort of targeted. And that actually drove a lot of traffic to the website, which was amazing. Um, I think most industries, I think it really has to depend on the age demo. If you're targeting seniors, grandparents, Probably not. No, <laughs> I think you're. Then you've got to kind of look at a different tactic, and then you have to look at the platforms. Yes, if you're targeting kind of up to sort of 24, TikTok, Snapchat, and then you know Instagram's a bit older, and then Facebook, excuse a little bit older. So you really have to know your platforms as well. I think
0: products really are probably the item that works best with influencers because a lot of the times you can track it back to the website like you said for the e-commerce mm. sales for venues I know certainly with hospitality is far it's trickier it's all yeah. good and well that they post a beautiful picture of them drinking this gorgeous cocktail mm. and they've got florals behind them and it looks idyllic but how do you track how many people yeah. went to that venue because of that pretty photo
1: we have tried it um with a coat, so if, mm-hmm. you know, I mention this and you get a free dessert or yeah. something like that, um, so you can do it that way, but I do think – yeah, hospitality is a tough one. I, th- I really feel with with that space it's more of an awareness thing. You know, if a, if a yeah. new venue launches, you read about it in the great online publication and in the paper or you see it on the TV and then you just start seeing your feed is just, oh, that person's at that restaurant. It must be really cool. I've got it. It's sort of all plays in together. And I think that's the really important thing is looking at a PR strategy as a holistic sort of thing. Um, you know anything in isolation it's good but it's going to have more impact when you've got the whole gamut so if you have you know your social media game is strong and you've got influence, there's no point in having influencers if you have no website no. a really crap social media presence and you're not doing anything else it's sort of it all has to go together
0: I find with hospitality I think this actually is probably fair for any influencer authenticity is really really mm. important um, I think certainly in my case, because I use hospitality all the time, so that's probably my direct reference. I can look at many food or drink influencer accounts, and I can see that every post is obviously a collaboration or a contra experience, and it makes me feel that they're not a genuine advocate for mm. food and drink. Are they going out and they having an experience that isn't free? Mm. If so, then sure, I get that they really are into their food and their drink and they probably pick and choose yeah. which collaborations that they do versus their whole account mm. is geared towards these free or contra experiences. Mm, totally,
1: And you can kind of see if the person's never done anything with that venue or that product or whatever before, it's like a one-off flash and yeah. pan. It's a paid sort of thing. So, you will note, I think big time celebrities will always put sponsored or paid partnership um, just because they're in the spotlight. But I think it's a very murky water, yeah, below. Um, Authenticity is a really big one. And I think, you know, you're seeing more and more people, they can make a lot of money out of this, right? So it becomes that's their business. But you're sort of losing. And I think brands kind of want to be there because they think that they're Mm -hmm. power, and they are powerful, they do have a lot of influence. But you're kind of getting lost and the more they go down that route of every post is a paid partnership, it dilutes the power I think that they have. And I definitely feel like micro influencers, people who are experts in their field or, you know, they might be a mummy blogger slash influencer mm-hmm. on Instagram. And so a lot of this stuff is just honesty and rawness about like their kids and life as a mom. And then they'll post about a grocery delivery thing. And They genuinely only do it because they actually love... Sure, they got it for free, but they're kind of like, well, I'm not going to post about it if I don't like it. That's the sort of winner, I
0: think. And look, I think there is a time and a place for those Instagram influencers who only post about collaboration experiences. And an example of that is perhaps an Instagram account that is geared towards the best hamburgers in Sydney. Mm. They're not necessarily going to come back around and go to places for multiple times and the reason why people follow them is to find out where all the best Mm. in this person's opinion hamburgers are in sydney so it doesn't really matter so much that you see i don't need to see pictures of them at the beach on the weekend with their with their brother or their kid or something like that i just want to see photos Mm. of hamburgers so there is a time and a place but if you're trying to create a connection between a a brand Mm. and an influencer, then you've just got to think about the content that that influencer posts and whether
1: that's relevant. and. Well, the burger place is not going to then post about hair products. No. It would be totally weird. No. And if someone only ever posts bikini photos and then all of a sudden they're posting a hamburger, that would be weird. Yeah. It would be jarring and their audience would be like, I don't understand. And they would lose some of their engagement because of it.
0: So just to wrap it up, do you think influencer engagement will continue to be part of PR strategies? 100%.
1: And why is that? I did used to think that it was going to go away and now... No, it's absolutely... Uh, Because as the media landscape shrinks and we are, you know, social media channels are growing. TikTok has only emerged in the last, you know, what, six months or whatever, Snapchat in the last couple of years. They're sort of growing. That's where we're spending a lot of our time. So we need to think of that as a channel like a media outlet. And so apply the same things that we would do with a media relations campaign, objectives, ROI, you know, all of that sort of stuff, careful research, but use it as a channel to communicate. That's where our audience lives. So we need to talk to them in those platforms.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for joining me. There's a number of other topics on the podcast. So feel free to head to the website and you can find them there. Thanks for listening to the PR Pod. For more expert tips on working in PR, head to www.theprpod.com.